I'm not looking for clients all the time because they're just kind of naturally coming in and okay, we'll book that one. We'll book that one, you know, and that comes from having the time free to create the marketing structure so that you do constantly have leads coming in. Welcome to Break the Ceiling, the show where we help agencies and consultants bust through self-imposed growth ceilings by shoring up their operations and increasing their capacity. I'm Susan Bowles. I'm your growth architect to help you build the systems that you need to double your revenue and lower your stress. Hello, 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 and welcome to Break the Ceiling. We've been talking a lot about default decisions lately. So decisions that you make in your business that have a really big impact on how easy or hard your business ends up being to run. Sometimes we realize we're making a choice or a decision and sometimes not so much. We have talked in previous episodes about how those decisions get made. And in my last episode with Michelle Warner, we talked about when you should think about switching from experimentation mode in your business and start making some deliberate choices about it. So if you haven't listened to that one, I definitely recommend it. My guest today is a perfect example of what happens when you make very conscious choices about how your business is going to operate and then stick to those boundaries. Pia Silva is an entrepreneur, speaker, and author of Badass Your Brand, The Impatient Entrepreneur's Guide to Turning Expertise into Profit, which is one of my very favorite business books because while it gets marketed as a branding book, it's secretly this fabulous operations manual for running a super efficient service business. So Pia has made some very specific and a bit unconventional choices about how to run her design company, Worst of All Design. She works with clients exclusively in one to three day projects where she'll redo their entire brand, including their website, in either a day or under a week. We're going to talk about some of the choices she's made, why she made them that way, and some of the pieces of her system that you can take to help streamline your own operations. So let's dive in. Hi, Pia. Thanks so much for being here today. It is my pleasure, Susan. Thanks for having me. So we're going to just jump straight into the questions and let's talk a little bit about when you started positioning your business the way that you do now. You were pivoting from a more traditional agency type model and you made some really conscious choices about how you decided to work with clients, including moving into like a one to three day model. Can you tell me about how that pivot came about for you and some of the challenges that you ran into when you switched? It was not exactly by choice, <laughs> I might say. <laughs> um, we were forced into a corner when we were hustling very hard in the what I now call the default agency model, really just how we saw all agencies working and we were replicating that. We were forced into a corner because we actually ended up in debt trying to work that way. And this was debt that we accumulated working all the time and getting pretty high paying clients too. So it was a terrible 
time and moment, but it was actually an amazing moment because once, and I'm not just talking about debt, I'm talking about like credit cards maxed out and no cash in the bank. You have to make a decision at that point. You can't keep doing what you're doing. So that was the moment where we said, okay, um, we have to do something radically different. At the time, we had a couple of employees. We had an office. We still have the office, but we we had to get rid of the employees because we couldn't afford them anymore. Um, and we had to figure out a different way to approach this instead of this bigger clients, more clients, you know, more help so we can get bigger projects. That was not working for us. So that was the beginning impetus for looking for a new model. The way that this model came about is because actually a year prior, a business coach of mine had said to me, you know, you're selling $30,000 projects. You're looking for clients who have $30,000, but you're networking with all these people who think you're great and they don't have $30,000. They have like (laughs) $3,000. So, you know, maybe you don't want to just keep saying, oh, sorry, you don't have $30,000. So forget you. And instead think of something to sell them. So he said, just come up with something you would sell someone if they had $3,000. And I said, well, if they would just be willing to come in for the day, we could do a lot of stuff for them in a day if they would just be willing to end it and cap it the day. I'd do that for $3,000. And so we had done that once or twice over the previous year, just randomly. It wasn't something I was advertising. It wasn't something I was, actually, I was actively not promoting it. It was like a back pocket. If I was talking to somebody and I thought they would bite, I brought it up. And at that pivotal moment when we said, what else could we do? We looked at that product, we kind of dusted it off the shelf, and we were like, you know what? This thing is pretty awesome, actually. (laughs) Actually, if I do the numbers, and we did lots of these, we would make way more money than we're making right now. And that was the beginning of the new model. So were there any issues trying to switch from kind of your traditional agency model to a shorter time frame? What we did then, like the first time we did that, and we went all in on it, I'm pretty dramatic in my choices and going forward. So it was like overnight, okay, completely throw the website out, changing all the copy. You know, I mean, it must have happened within a couple of days that we pivoted our whole thing because we made the website. So it was easy enough to do that. I think the challenges just came with each new client, little things would come up. So the first handful of clients, we overworked. Of course, because we always wanted to do a great job. But that also allowed us to learn about this process and make the process better. And then we very quickly started increasing the price a little bit because every time we learned a couple new things from a client, we would make the process better and then we would increase the price. And we just kept doing that for years, such that we now charge twenty to thirty-five thousand for this project, whereas a couple years ago it was three and five thousand dollars. With that, you've created some really specific structures in the way that you work and the way that you teach your students to work that end up making a really big difference in the rest of your workflow. So the structures that you've created, can you tell me a little bit more about those and how they've helped with more of the operations side in terms of delivering this? Yeah, sure. Because I've tried lots of softwares and project management. I've tried... Basecamp and Trello and Slack and all those things. And for bigger agencies, you have to have something like that. And, you know, we had a couple of employees, so we had these processes. I never really figured out how to use them 
really efficiently. (laughs) I didn't. To be perfectly honest, like, you know, I tried many times. It worked out really nicely that the way that this new offering operates, we kind of threw that out the window because now we only work on one client at a time in a very concentrated amount of time, like literally a few days. You know, we do prep work for a few days and then there's the client and that's it. It's almost like, um, a project management tool would be superfluous for us. You know, it would be it would be unnecessary. Yeah, it'd be cumbersome. Yeah, it would become it would be adding more work. And we're just the two people now. So I literally use we use like shared Google Docs. And I have created a process. You know, I have a, a template document that keeps track of the deliverables and the and the schedule and all that stuff. But it's all just in a Word document that we share, and it works great. I think I've found over the years that tools are only as good as you use them. So if you have a great process in, I'm obsessed with, you know, Google spreadsheets, but Google spreadsheets and Google Docs, if you really have a process for that, like it can be good. <laughs> so. Yeah. And really software doesn't do you any good if you don't have a process in the first place. So exactly. I agree with you, you know, one or two people you pretty much get the message across. Especially if you're married to them too. And you can <laughs> tap, tap, you forgot this. And not to say that I don't have all kinds of softwares. I'm just saying for the specific project management, since I didn't figure it out anyway, I ended up not having to figure it out. Just doing yeah. it. The way that you work with clients, you've got kind of a lead product and a bullseye product kind of structure set up. Can you talk to me a little bit about what those are and how they inform your workflow? I start from the premise of I am looking to create the most profitable business model possible for two people where we're selling our services. That is the starting premise. So the concept of the lead product and the bullseye product is essentially every client that wants to work with us has to buy a smaller service first. And that is essentially the strategy session, you know, the the discovery where we give you the strategy. And this is replacing the proposal, which, by the way, like I had to look at an old one recently. Man, we made beautiful proposals. <laughs> like they took me forever <laughs> and they were gorgeous and they told a whole story and all this stuff and no more. I haven't written a proposal in five years. And the reason this adds to the profitability is really anyone who wants to work with us, it's like 15 minute phone call. And I just tell them, yeah, you're a perfect fit. This is what we do. First step is my brand shrink, which is my lead product. Now my brand shrink is $4,000, but it started at $650. You know, so when I first started, I was like, it's $650, you know, $650. And I'm going to tell you what your brand needs to be. And I'm going to give you a plan. And what that does is it just cuts through the crap and it just cuts right to the heart of, look, do you want to work with us? If you want to work with us, this is an easy way to get in first. And then after that, you'll see our entire plan. You'll get a ton of value out of this document and this session with us. And if you want to do the full enchilada, which is basically we only have three levels of packages, you know, the one, two or three day brand up, the prices are on our site. We're very transparent about it. I will tell you which one works for you. And then we'll apply the $4,000 to the final product. And this little method that I've developed is so simple in its pricing and its sales process that I just think it for small, I mean, my people are really one, two, three person businesses. We don't have time to do all the other stuff that is so wasteful. And I think very profit sucking all that other, you know, long phone calls, meetings, pitches, like revisals of the pitch, you know, 
everything like that. Even sending invoices for that initial. I don't even send an invoice for the um, lead product. They book it through Acuity and then pay for it before it's even on my calendar. So just trying to cut out every possible detail that could be a waste of time so that we can spend the majority of our time delivering super high value work to our clients and making top dollar for it. And it also helps you be very, at least I've found that it helps me be really, really clear about what I'm selling and a little bit take the emotions out of it. It doesn't feel like selling. It's just, here's my thing. And either you can have it or not. And either way, that's okay. But here's what it is. And you just cut out so much of that really unpaid work at the beginning of the the sales process that can so easily balloon into hours and hours and hours and so much effort and emotion about how you should price things. And it just is. I love that you brought that up because I feel like part of this, it came out of my fear of all those stupid conversations. <laughs> like I, I hate it. I used, I remember that horrible feeling when you're on a phone call and you feel like things are going well. And then they ask you how much it's going to be. And you're kind of like, well, it depends. It may be this. And you're scared. You're going to say a number. It's going to scare them away. I mean, I hate that. I hate it. I made this whole process. So I would not have to have that conversation again. When I appreciate that you made this process so I could use the process and also not have those discussions because I had such a fear when I started my business about doing sales conversations. You know, up until this point, my husband had done all of the sales part of all of our business. And this was the first time I actually had to go sell myself. And as soon as I had a process that I could clearly talk about, all of that went away. You know, it was just, here's the thing. So I found it one, just emotionally helpful, but two, it saved so much time. And I'm just like, go on the, go on the website, click the link, buy the thing, and we'll just, it'll happen and we'll meet and it'll be great. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, it also changes your mindset on these calls. Like it helps you become unattached to it when you have something you're clear about. I think that's a, a big power of it. Absolutely. It has allowed me to focus on spending my time trying to figure out if they are a good fit or not. So that if they're really not a good fit, I can just say, hey, I don't think this is the right thing and we can both move on. And there's no hemming and hawing or me trying to figure out how to shoehorn them into something that's not right for them. Well, that's great to hear, Susan. This is practically a testimonial <laughs> from my program. Oh, you know, I, I, you. I love you. <laughs> no, I'm so glad. That's exactly, that was exactly my experience with it. So I'm glad you had a, you are having a similar experience. I mean, that's what it's for. Simplify. One of my favorite parts of your book and really the reason I recommend it to so many new business owners, it's actually become kind of my, when people reach out to me and they're like, oh, I'm going to start a business. Where do I start? And your book is one of the ones that I recommend to them. It's actually because of your pricing strategy, because it's really based on actual capacity and there's a real formula to go along with it. And I think sometimes pricing is so amorphous about, you know, how should you price things? And this is a real solid formula that goes along with it. So can you talk to me a little bit about your formula and how you approach your pricing strategy? I think the problem with most people's pricing is that it's based on external ideas. It's based on, well, what are other people charging? How much do I think I could get? You know, uh, if I'm talking to this person, maybe they have more money, maybe they have less money, I have to gauge. And I'm just so against all of that. I think that, again, we're small businesses. 
there's a certain amount of money that you need to make for a business to even make sense for you. So start from the premise of how much money do I really need (laughs) to operate? You know, I mean, if you don't know that number, you might be doing what I was doing, by the way, you know, my business is costing me more than I'm possibly taking in, even if I'm charging $30,000 a client. That doesn't make sense. That's like, what do they say? Underwater with your house. That's like being underwater with your house. So instead, I start from the premise of let me understand exactly how much money I need and then additionally how much money I want. And then I use this formula. I have decided that you need to have a profitable business that still you know, affords you a flexible life of freedom, which is my number one goal. I'm not just here to make money. I could have made money more easily when I was working in the agency model, working at an agency. The idea is you need to make it working with clients 50% of your working time or less. And so it's basically a mathematical formula. You know, there's only so many hours in the year. There's an amount of money you need to make. Divide it, figure out how much your services, how long your services take, and that's your price. Now, you may not be charging that price yet. That's okay. It's good to know that that's the price you need to charge because now we have something to work with. That's the price that I want to make. So I can do things to work towards getting that. And then, you know, of course, once you hit this kind of magic number that means you're working 50% of your time with clients so that you are making the money you need, which by the way, means you have 50% of your time to work on your business and make it more valuable, thus continually increasing your value and the price. Once you hit that price point, then you can just keep increasing it. So you can just keep increasing your value and your price point and your profitability And then you can work with clients even less. And that's how I ended up getting to a place where we only need to work with clients three months a year at most to make the money that we not even need to live, like want to live. So I want to touch on something that you mentioned. And I think this piece gets missed a little bit when people talk about pricing and setting your pricing. And you mentioned talking about increasing your value and that you're increasing your price as you're increasing the value. So can you talk about how you increase the value of services that you're already offering? I think value from services come as much from your process and your confidence in your process and your ability to manage your clients and your project as it does from the actual work. When People ask me for referrals to a graphic designer. I can't afford you, Pia. Like, I need a graphic designer. Do you know anyone? I have a very hard time sending them to anybody because there are great designers out there who have zero process, no ability to manage. And I watch so many people hire creatives and have this nightmare experience. And it's not because the work is bad. The work is good. It's because there's no process. There's no client management. Like it goes off the rails and nobody's happy. The designer feels underappreciated and like they're working. And why are you asking me for so many revisions? The client is like, why am I not getting what I want? And why am I chasing after you? It's just a mess. And what solves that is process and expectation management and a million things that can make a project go very, very smoothly. So to me, value is often mostly built in getting really good at your process and your your ability to manage expectations and meet them. And then the other part, of course, is the deliverables itself. So, you know, our brand up, 
when it was $3,000 was a very small project. You know, we, we only worked that day. You got like a homepage and an interior page and a business card and a logo. That's what you got. Now that the one day is $20,000, we do prep work ahead of time. We build full websites. When it's your, our metal package, we're also doing like social media strategy and like designing what your Instagram is going to look like. These are easy things for us to add on, but they really, they are not that much more work, but they drastically increase the value of what we're selling. And that makes our offering much more profitable by adding them in. So kind of the project-based, your one-day, three-day type model, or just generally working only as a project-based business model can have its own challenges. And you're always looking for new clients because you kind of always need that next project. So how do you personally tackle that? Or how do you help your students tackle that? It's definitely not a business model most business people recommend because <laughs> everybody says retainer is what you want. Recurring revenue is what you want. I'm not against recurring revenue, but my most important goal was freedom and flexibility. So for me and my personal goals, not having ongoing clients was my goal. So it's not that this model works for everybody. This model just really works for our lifestyle because once the project is done, we're done. So I have a brand up scheduled for two months from now. I could like literally go away for two months and not be bothered, come back and do that brand up. And that was really what we wanted. The challenge, of course, is that you have to continually find clients. And this is where this model of pricing comes into play because if you have 25 to 50% of your working time, so that's, you know, let's say the equivalent of three to six full months out of the year that you can only spend marketing. That is basically how we get our clients. So I create a ton of content. You know, I've been writing articles for years. Now that I have so much content, actually, we do a lot of repurposing and marketing and all of that. So we've created quite a nice foundation. But I wrote my book. Like all of my clients have read my book at this point. So when people come to us, they're so bought in because they read this whole book. It's in my voice too. So when they talk to me, they feel like they know me. I mean, I, I tell some personal stories in that book, you know, they really trust me. So we have a constant flow of inquiries but also we don't need that many clients. So when I say I work three months a year, I don't work for three months and then that's it. I mean like the equivalent of three months. So I'm not looking for clients all the time because they're just kind of naturally coming in and oh, okay, we'll book that one, we'll book that one, you know. And that comes from having the time free to create the marketing structure so that you do constantly have leads coming in. So just because you've created these really specific structures about how you work, how efficiently you're focusing. And it doesn't really mean that you're not experimenting, right? I know that you are always playing around a bit behind the scenes, focusing on becoming even more efficient. So can you tell me a little bit about what you've been playing with recently? I'm always looking to be more efficient, Susan. I know. That's why I'm like, I'm <laughs> much to Steve's chagrin. What are you doing? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like after every brand up, like when we leave the office, I'm like, Steve, I feel like we could have done this. This, He's like, can we take a minute to just celebrate the fact that we did another awesome, huge brand in like one day? Like, I know, but we could have done this little thing and it would have been a little bit faster. <laughs> I can relate. 
(laughs) (laughs) You can relate. Yes. So to me, as an entrepreneur, once you free up time, the natural next thing is like, okay, well, what else can I do? You know, and I felt like we had come up with a pretty interesting model that most people like us, most uh, service-based creatives, freelancers, small agencies could really use. So I invested a lot of time back into trying to put this into a model that people could, I could actually teach people. So, you know, I built an online bootcamp for learning this model. Then I built an online bootcamp for creating the content. And then I built a course on how to do goal setting. And these three courses together are really like, if you want to be me, this is what I did. (laughs) You know, like this is how I set goals and manage them so that I can do things as efficiently as possible and make sure I'm always going towards my goals. This is the model I implemented and this is how you do it. And then this is how I create content so that people find me on a regular basis. So that's been really fun and interesting because obviously I love to share and try to help other individual businesses do this because we're not in competition. You know, I really only want a handful of clients. And I think a lot of people out there are like that. Like I don't want employees. I'm not trying to build a bigger business with more overhead. I'm trying to just continually build a more efficient business. So for me, the experimenting is just trying new marketing strategies, like, you know, trying different ways to get this bootcamp out there and just trying to keep my finger on the pulse because the more I test things and learn about them, the more I can share with all my people who also need this information. And that is super fun and fulfilling for me. I love that. So before we wrap up here, is there anything you think we should talk about that maybe we haven't yet? How about how you masterfully ninja'd all my systems so that they all work perfectly and uh, don't drive me crazy anymore and I don't spend all this money on them? Oh, I love that. (laughs) How about I tell everybody how much they need someone like you? They're not your target client. They're all, you know, they're all like one person. Everyone needs a Susan (laughs) to do this because it's crazy. It's always so hard for me. And I really appreciate the way that you've managed to structure your business to help people at the beginning, because I think there's a real need for people at the beginning of their journey or at the beginning of their businesses, particularly with service businesses where There are literally hundreds of thousands of choices about how you could run your business and they make such a difference. Making making a smart choice or making a choice that has an impact can so dramatically change the business that you build. So choosing to do something like a lead product that you're very clear on and, you know, just a few service offerings and just being really, really focused on that can have such a huge impact on their business. And it's tough, I think, sometimes at the beginning to recognize that or even to be aware that you're making choices. And I think that when you, a lot of service business owners, they come out of an industry, particularly like an agency industry, where there's all these standards and constructs about how you're supposed to run an agency. And there's not a lot of other information about other choices that you could make that, you know, you can get people to pay you up front. You can choose to have a smaller business. And I think that that is so valuable. And I have not found, I've not actually found a way to help people at that level because I think there is an element of having to feel the pain before you realize that you have to fix it. 
Yes. And actually, I mean, I, you know, I tell people if you're just starting, you can read my book. But when they want to like actually implement this model, I tell them you actually, you have to have a few clients first. You have to have some experience first, just so you have something to base your answers on. Because a lot of the process, the beginning of the process is kind of an in-depth analysis of your goals and what you're good at and all these things. And if you're starting with nothing to base those answers on, it's just not going to be very helpful. But I appreciate that. And actually, that's, it's funny you say that because I've been thinking a lot about this kind of default agency model and why are we all doing this model, myself included, for three years? How did we end up here? And I and I think I figured it out. Oh, I would love to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Most people, and actually not me, because I actually didn't have any background in branding or design when we started this business because Steve was a graphic designer and I was just like, oh, I'll figure this out. So I had no background in this. But most people who have their own agencies worked at an agency before. And the agency model at an actual big agency is pitching for free, you know, doing all these things that in the agency world, when you're when you have huge clients, you're charging enough to pay for that. So you're actually those agencies it's built into their pricing. That's why, uh, you know, McCann or whatever these Ogilvy, they can charge their clients millions of dollars. They have to because they are they are spending money and time months. We have friends who work at agencies like months creating pitches, doing entire advertising campaigns to pitch Pepsi and then they lose it. Well, that's built into the price of whoever they end up, they do end up getting. And we then take that model of the free pitching as an example in this small business. And it just doesn't work out because you're not factoring in all those free pitches into the price you're charging. Are you? I mean, that's what I would ask anybody. Are you calculating all these free proposals you're writing? And are you making sure that the clients you do get their money is actually paying for that stuff? I don't think you're thinking about it like that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that that many small business owners are tracking their time to that degree to even understand exactly how how much time actually gets sucked up into the secret part of getting clients, like all of those sales calls and all of that work that goes in up front. Sometimes, I, you know, even on the same client, that time just gets disregarded or time that, you know, the business owner is spending doing the project, they'll take into account the time that their staff is doing it or their contractors are doing it or work that they're farming out, but they'll forget to actually charge for the time that they spend working on that. Oh, yeah. No, no. They don't charge for any of that time. And I get it because tracking your time is not fun. I get it's hard. <laughs> and actually, again, like you think this like this model is great. Like this model all comes out of things that I don't want to do. So I don't want to track my time. So I built a model where Steve and I know exactly how much time these projects take because we just spend like three days doing it. That's it. That's the, the it's on our calendar. We don't spend other time doing it. So we know how long it takes. And that's like partially just so we wouldn't have to track our time. <laughs> a lot of the choices we make can come down to just choosing not do something, choosing not to follow an agency model where we're post-paying and we're charging for every second. There's so much time and energy and effort that gets wrapped up in doing that. You know, the choice to follow that model then 
creates a whole workflow of its own that you have to figure out how to optimize and how to streamline. And it's so much easier to just say, well, we're not doing that. <laughs> you can pay me up front or we can just not work together. Yeah. Like I'm just not the right fit for you. And I think that's a really powerful choice to make about a business. I think it's a scary one. I think the reason people don't do it is because they're scared, but that's because they haven't built an ecosystem where it's, you know what, this isn't a good fit. It's okay. Cause I'm going to talk to someone in a few days who is a good fit. You have to have set something up where you feel that way. As a real estate friend of mine used to say, desperation is a stinky cologne, Pia. <laughs> so you can't fake it. You have to create a, an ecosystem so that you are genuinely like, you know what, if you don't want to pay me up front, I totally respect that. We're probably not a good fit for you. And, you know, I wish you all the best. Well, I think some of those can turn into indicators during, you know, your initial 15 minute sales conversation about, you know, are you a good fit? That can be one of those things because sometimes that's a precursor or a, an indicator that they're, you know, not going to be able to make decisions quickly or, I found that some of my conditions like were going up front and this is what it is. And it allows me to filter out clients that are unsure. I also find when people pay in full up front, like we, they're completely paid before they've seen any creative work for our projects. And I find that psychologically, actually, they're more bought in when they pay in full up front. Yeah. Like I think there's something about this idea like, oh, and then I'm going to pay the other half when it's done. And I don't think they're thinking consciously, but I think there's a little like, and if it doesn't go well, maybe I won't pay it. Like, I do think that there is a little level of that. And and on the flip side, well, why wouldn't you pay in full up front? Is there some reason you wouldn't pay? <laughs> like, I just don't know why you wouldn't be okay with that, except that you don't trust that I'm going to deliver which I can understand, but that's where like building trust and building relationships and building credibility comes into play. Before you get to the point where you're actually delivering the work, that makes sense. Yeah. I think you want to build enough trust in the front end. And this is like, I can't wait to write this book. This is so far in the future for me, but like, I really want to write the book about like the psychology of like the client process and, and how every little step is going to influence how they respond to you. Because I think that you know, Steve and I have built this really tight process such that every step of the way a client is really building such serious trust that by the time I know it is because they come into our office and we show them three logos at 11 o'clock and by noon they've decided on which one it is and they're super excited about it. Like Steve's good, but that's not why they're decided about it. <laughs> you know, that's just the psychology of building that trust so that they want to say yes. And I think that's what we really want. We want we want to promote enough trust to get trust from our clients so that we're putting them at ease because they want to say yes. They're dying to say yes. They want you to take care of it. That's why they're paying you a lot of money. They don't want to question everything. If they're questioning things, it's because they don't trust that you're taking care of it. Anyway, I could go on about that forever. I'll stop. <laughs> I absolutely agree. I'm always ranting that process can actually be a competitive advantage that coming to a client with a very clear process and that can be such a trust builder and coming out of the gate with here's how this is going to go. Here's the timeline. Here's what's going to happen. And all of those little pieces, like you said, that do actually build trust. It's actually 
client management, but in the end, it ends up resulting in what most people would think of as project management and that like the project goes smoothly, but that's really because you've set up all of these points at which you are affirming that they made a good choice because they have a clear understanding of what's happening and you've managed their expectations about what is going to happen. And then everything just kind of goes smoothly and you don't have back and forth with 42 revisions and questions about this or questions about that because you've already answered their questions. Exactly. You've already, you've anticipated everything and you've shown them the way and it's smooth sailing for them. And that just takes practice, you know, and going back to your first question of like, what's, what's been challenging or what was challenging in the beginning about doing this flat rate process? It was just finding out what all those things were. So, you know, it was just part of the process of building something that really, really hums and works. You have to do it a bunch of times to figure out what all those little things are so that you're really reading people's minds. And that's how I feel like I am now. Like I've done so many of these. I know what the clients, are. We, we put little things in it knowing, we make bets on what the client's going to say about this. Oh, they're going to ask us to see those two together and then they're going to choose that one. Like we literally, and we're pretty good at it. <laughs> we're pretty good at guessing because we've seen it so many times. That just comes with practice, you know. Even though you've done your process a whole bunch of times, when you get to the end of doing a, you know, doing a brand up or building a site and turning it over to a client, do you still go back through and say, okay, great. Now, what could be better? Like, do you have a process of what you do after the client leaves that you can build in things that you thought of? Or does that just kind of happen naturally? I want to talk about it the second the client walks out the door. Steve is not so keen on that conversation. So yes, we're always, we're constantly talking about it because to me, improving the process and increasing the efficiency it's just part of it. We've been doing it since the very beginning. So after every client, we talk about it because it's going to benefit us and it's going to benefit the client. You know, if we can make it a little more efficient, it's a little more profitable. If we find that, th- that the client needed something and we real like the whole designing the, um, the Instagram will design kind of what their nine images kind of generally would be. And I'll, I'll actually like talk through a strategy for them of what they should post, which by the way, I only know about, it's not something we sell formally, it's not something we talk about on our site, but I do tons of Instagram marketing. Like I know a lot about Instagram. So when we realized like, this is really something that all of our clients could use, it was not that hard to add it in. And it doesn't take that much time actually, because the time was spent in all the years that I've been Instagramming, you know, and like I'm constantly testing things. So I get to bring all of that knowledge. The actual time giving it to them is actually very short. But now I literally have increased the price $5,000 at a time just by realizing, well, now we're really being a whole marketing strategy company also. So that's valuable. So yes, we're constantly talking about it because it allows us to increase the price. It probably allows you to operate just that much more efficiently, that much more profitably, even while you're adding more and more to each package. Yeah, no, I mean, we we add more, but we're constantly increasing the price. And or we're adding more, but we're getting more efficient at it. So it just depends. I mean, I always come from a place of, I really always want to give the client everything they need. I'm never looking for what are they asking for. I'm always looking at like, this is their situation and this is all the stuff they need. I mean, in some ways, and this is not a backhanded compliment, this is actually 
rough. Like in some ways I take too much responsibility for them because I'm like, I need to make their whole business awesome because I've been doing all of this. So I have all this stuff. I need to fix every, you know, and at a certain point it's like, okay, I can only do so much, but I like to do that stuff because I want to send them out into the world with everything they need. So the adding of value and stuff is, and that's, by the way, like that gives me that much more motivation to be doing all this investment of time and money into our business because it all helps our business, but also it makes me so much better at helping our clients. So it's kind of a win-win and it kind of just keeps cycling through our own business. Of course, like if I spend tons of time and money learning about Instagram marketing, it's going to bring me more business, but it also makes me able to, you know, off the top of my head, tell people strategies that, you know, would be even hard to find. So I just think it's a nice cycle to constantly invest in your own knowledge and abilities because it just keeps increasing the value of what you have to offer. I've found when I, I guess when I started doing kind of the lead product and having more standardized productized services, I kept worrying that I was going to get really bored doing the same thing over and over and over. You know, I'm one of those people like, I always want to be solving the next problem. Like I always want to be doing the next thing. But by focusing on the process and making it more efficiently, I'm still I'm like, I'm constantly revising it. And it never really feels like I'm, I don't get bored in a way that I expected to with delivering the same thing over and over. I love that. Yeah, me neither. I mean, we're, it's a new brand every time. The thing that's the same is like the shell, the process that you're talking about, the operations, the process, the thing they go through. But we just did a luxury hotels in the Caribbean H boutique HR consulting company. And we're going to do a puppy park boarding company in like two weeks. I mean, those are so different. <laughs> those are beyond different, but the process is exactly the same and they paid the same amount of money. Yeah. And the, the it's, there's still the problem to solve. There's still the, the creative piece of actually doing the work that I think the process actually makes that part even more fun because you don't have to actually be figuring out how to do what you're doing. You just have to go do it. You get the good parts without having to constantly reinvent the wheel. Yeah, the good part. Exactly. You get to do the part that's that's really valuable and that they're actually paying you for. Like they don't want to pay for you to be like figuring out process stuff. They want to pay for you to be doing your highest value. And that's what you're doing when your process is super tight. Absolutely. Well, Pia, I appreciate so much you coming and talking to us today. So if our listeners are interested in finding you or if they want to connect or learn more, how can they connect with you? Um, you can just go to my site, piasilva.com. Right there on the homepage, if you scroll down, I have this little mini course called The Price for Freedom, and it'll help you figure out what your price is. Remember I was talking about the 50% and stuff? It's like this fun little Excel doc, because I love it, uh, where you plug in some numbers and it spits out a price at the end and tells you how much you should charge. So that's really fun. And then, um, and then on the writing page, you can download the first chapter of my book if you want to read more about all these processes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Susan. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. Make sure to tune in next time when I'm in the hot seat. I'll be interviewed by Tara McMullen of the What Works podcast. You heard her on episode one here. And we're going to talk about technology and systems, how it can help you scale, but also the pitfalls and what to look out for. So be sure to hit subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss that episode. And before we go, I want to quick point to the sponsor of our show, my own company, ScaleSpark. We help agencies and consultants break out of growth stalls by fixing the underlying problems that stop your business from growing. Whether it's processes, technology, client management, 
or some combination, will find and fix those bottlenecks so you can increase your capacity and profitably and sustainably grow your business. Because growth is only hard when your business isn't built for it. At ScaleSpark, we can help you build one that is. To check us out, head to our website at scalespark.co. And thanks for listening. If you found this valuable, I would love for you to subscribe in your favorite podcast platform and share it with at least one person that you know that might benefit from it.